0: I'm sure all of you when, uh, well, when you're children, and we know that if you listen to children today, um, they'll often say, when I grow up, I want to be, and they'll say, well, a fireman, a doctor, or a teacher, uh, you probably did something like that too when you're a child. Uh, when I was a child, I wanted to be an RCMP officer, <clears throat> right from when I was a little kid, um, went through school, and that, that was my goal, my dream, my vision, to be Police officer until the Lord got a hold of me when I was 17 and changed my plans. And uh, here I'm in the ministry. But as children, we we have this desire to be something, and it's a kind of a vision or a dream that we want to become. As Christians, we often do that too. Regularly, we'll say, or hear people pray, I, I wish I could read my Bible more, or I could pray more, or I'd be more patient. Um, be more loving, uh, be more whatever it may be. And it's kind of like a uh, a vision or desire that we like to become as Christians as we grow in our relationship with the Lord. And that's kind of what a vision statement is. A vision statement is an expression of what we want to become, how we see ourselves in the future. Companies and organizations often will have a vision statement. And they say, this is what we hope to become as a company, as an organization in the future. And uh, it describes kind of their desire to become. Churches will do that. Um, I don't know about your church, but some churches will have a vision statement. And they'll take time as a church body to seek the Lord, discernment from the Lord. to how, What should we be next year or in five years as a church? Where should we be? How do we think the Lord wants us to have what kind of ministries they should be. A vision statement is a source of motivation. Um, it gives purpose, uh, it gives direction. For example, myself, uh, through elementary school and high school, I knew where I was going. I was going to study, uh, go to university, and I talked to RCP officers, and uh, I had purpose. And so a vision statement gives us focus and energy to do something. There's the difference between a vision statement and a mission statement. A vision statement describes what you want to be, what you want to become. A mission statement is what you want to do. It's to do, how you, what you're going to do to get there. And so the mission statement is more doing, where a vision statement is how we see ourselves, what we want to be in the future. So this morning, I want to share with you a vision statement. A vision statement that I trust and pray will be a source of encouragement, motivation for all of us uh, as we continue to live our lives for Christ. A couple of years ago, the Alliance churches at one of their general assemblies, and every two years, the Alliance in Canada, delegates from the churches come together and talk about missions, talk about the state of the church, how it's going here in Canada. Well, a couple of years ago, they approved what we call a vision statement. And it's just here, up on the screen. And they call it a vision prayer. They put it in the form of a prayer. I'd like to read it for you. Oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Come, transform us to be Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere. I'd like us to read that all together, okay? Let's read that together. O oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Come, transform us to be Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere. This vision prayer is the Alliance Canada's vision prayer for our churches. But it's also appropriate for all of us individually. Whether you're part of the Alliance family or maybe you're a visitor and you aren't part of the Alliance family, we're going to look at that this morning, or this afternoon. Got to get my head, we're in the afternoon here. Um, we look at that today because this vision prayer calls all of us to re-examine our relationship with God. to grow in our understanding of Jesus Christ as Lord and to participate actively in God's mission to reach the nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to take a few moments this afternoon and look at that, step by, phrase by phrase in there for an application in our own lives, an application in your life and in mine. <clears throat> so the first phrase, O God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Next slide there. Back up one. Oh, anyways, just didn't work. But anyways, there it is. Oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. This vision prayer starts with a very pro- simple but profound statement. God, we long for you. It is God who we desire with all our hearts. It is God, the creator of the universe, who is holy and righteous. It is he that we seek and desire, more than all that the world can offer. O God, with all our hearts we long for you. Psalm 42, a verse that you probably know very well. The psalmist says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so so my soul pants for you. My God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. Oh God, you are the one that I long for. Now we express our worship to God in many different ways. You're here this morning to worship the Lord. We do it through singing, we do it through ministry, we do through prayer, uh, activities, uh, words we say. And that's all very good. And sometimes we think that these forms of worship, what we sing, um, what we do, the ministries we have, are enough, are adequate. But the truth is, all that we can do and say in various forms of worship have no value if our heart is not there. If our heart is not fully there, longing and seeking God, then it just becomes actions that lose their importance. Deep down in our soul, we must be focused on God because God looks beyond what you say, God looks beyond what you sing, God looks beyond what you do, and He looks at your heart. Another verse in Isaiah chapter 29. The Lord says... These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Oh, my prayers, that does not describe us this morning, but that our hearts would be truly there. Jesus referred to this. Remember the story when uh, somebody came up to Jesus and asked, what is the greatest commandment? It's in uh, Mark chapter uh, 12. And the the way the question is asked reveals a lot. What is the greatest commandment? Commandment is something you do, right? And Jesus answered correctly, of course. (laughs) He said, the greatest commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, All your heart and soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Strength, which is actions, comes last. With your heart, with your soul, comes first. That's what comes first. And the actions come in after. Oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Oh God, with all my heart... I long for you. I trust that is your prayer as well. I don't know if you notice in, in the vision statement, um, there's a period after the word you. It's a complete sentence. We can stop with just that, right? Oh God, we long for you, period. There it is. But the vision prayer continues to, to describe <clears throat> a bit better what does that mean? What does that look like? How does that play out in the life of a believer, in the life of a follower of Christ. And so the second phrase is, come, transform us. Come, transform us. There is a a cry for help. We say in French, au secours. A cry of help, come. And it's a cry of humility as well a sign of humility, recognizing the fact we cannot live the Christian life by our own strength, but we need God, our Creator, our Heavenly Father, for His strength, His power, and His wisdom in order to live the life that He has called us to. And so we turn to Him. Isaiah verse uh, chapter 57, verse 15, we read this. For this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is Holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. Yes, he is a holy, righteous creator God, but he's also with the one who turns to him in humility, saying, Lord, come. Remember the story um, It's in Mark chapter 9. There's a father who had a son who was sick. Possessed with a demon. He was sick. And he'd asked the disciples to heal him, and they didn't or couldn't. And so he turned, and Jesus came, and so the father asked Jesus, please heal my son. And Jesus answered and said, everything is possible for one who believes. If you believe... possible. The Father's answer was so human. It is so identifiable. Because the Father said this, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Can you identify with that? I believe, but I still have a way to go. There's still unbelief. And I can identify with that. Yes, Lord, I believe you are there. But in this circumstance, I need you, God, to help me, even in my unbelief. So we turn to him. Come, come, transform us. We turn to the Lord for help, even for our faith. The Psalm 51 Verses that you probably know well, David says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me, turning to God in humble humility and humbleness, asking for his help, even to believe, even to believe. So come, transform us, transform me is part of that prayer. So we can be what? Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and mission-focused people. So look look at those three. Christ-centered. Christ-centered. Christ Christ is the source of all that we are, right? He He is everything. Our whole faith is based on him. Christianity is founded on Jesus Christ. Prophecies Beforehand, talking about Jesus coming, Jesus came, he's going to come a second time. Everything starts with Jesus, continues with Jesus, and will end with Jesus. Christ-centered. If you're looking for a text, a very encouraging text to read in the Scriptures, turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and read that text. The first 18, 20 verses, we won't read it today, but I encourage you to look it up. Ephesians chapter 1. Nine or ten times in those few verses, we have the phrase, in Christ, in Him. Everything we have, everything we are, everything you have, everything you are in Jesus, is because of Jesus. It's in Him. We're centered and focused on Christ. Christ. <clears throat> Jesus said to his disciples one day he says uh, well, I was in his prayer in, um, just before his crucifixion in John book of John he says we are in this world but not of this world as followers of Christ we live in the world but we're not of this world reality is as we live in this world it is very easy we become distracted by what's around us, influenced by the values and priorities of those around us. We're bombarded with advertisements and lifestyles and priorities and, and issues that are against scriptural teaching, but yet, as Christians, we are in the world and we're still influenced by that. Distracted. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, He talks about being focused on Christ. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Christ centered. Everything else, yes, important things in life, but they come second the fact of knowing Jesus. And as we learn to live a life centered on Jesus Christ himself, then our lives are transformed. Come, transform us. Our lives are transformed so that the values, priorities, and the character of Christ become more and more evident in our own lives. So that is why we turn to God himself, because a Christ centered life does not happen naturally. <laughs> it doesn't just automatically happen. Oh, you're a Christian? Oh, you'll be Christ-centered. No. There's effort. There's growth. There's learning. There's a process. As we grow more and more in understanding what it does it mean to live a life centered on Christ. So, oh God, come, transform us to be Christ-centered. Come, transform me to be Christ-centered. Christ-centered and then Spirit-empowered. Come, transform us to be Spirit-empowered. In Luke chapter 24, we read, Jesus says, just before he went up to heaven, he said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And then Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power from uh, from how you'll see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Power. This word power in Greek is the word dunamis, and dunamis is the word from the person who developed dynamite, who invented dynamite. He took the word dunamis, dynamite, that's from the Greek, to describe what he invented. Now please understand that does not mean that the Holy Spirit is a, like a stick of dynamite and blow things up okay but the Holy Spirit is the power the power from God that we receive as his followers how to do what to live that Christ centered life it is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is just not some impersonal force like electricity or something else. But the Holy Spirit's power is a person of the Holy Spirit himself, God himself, in you, in me. Spirit empowered. And as we know, one cannot live the Christian life on their own strength. This is accomplished through the life of Christ in us by the presence of God of the living Holy Spirit in our lives. Ephesians chapter five, verse 18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Amplified version says, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, because the idea behind the word being filled means continually, regularly filled with the Holy Spirit. You often hear and rightly so, people will say, oh, such and such a day, uh, uh, I was filled with the Spirit. Well, I received the baptism of the Spirit, or I surrendered my life to the Lord. However you want to describe that, relation, that that decision as a believer, committing your life completely, surrendering completely to the work of the Lord in your life through the Holy Spirit. A special meeting, a time of prayer with friends by yourself, and we can often relate back to that moment. But what about today? What about tomorrow at work? What about when you're by yourself? Are we still living a life filled with the Spirit? Empowered by the Spirit who grants us that strength and wisdom to live the Christ-centered life. Oh, God, come transform us to be Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered. Yes, Lord, come transform me to be Spirit-empowered, to live the life of Christ. And the third point in this one is mission-focused. Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, and mission-focused. So what is this mission? And whose mission is it? What are we talking about? Well, it's God's mission, right? It's not my mission. It's not your mission. It's not the mission of this church or the Alliance or any other church, Baptist or Pentecostal, whoever. It's God's mission. And His mission is to reach the nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. His mission is to reconcile the world to Himself through Christ. And oh, how we need to be reconciled with our Creator. How men and women in the past, today, and as long as till Jesus comes back, how we are so separated from God and we need to be reconciled. Our rebellion, our pride, our self-centeredness, me first, has separated us from God and His grace and His love. And you don't have to look around. I don't have to give a lot of examples. You see that, you know that. Arguments, fights, broken relationships, abusive relationships. On the world scene, wars, whether it be in Europe, tragedy there, in Africa, several countries. And it goes on and stops in one and starts in another. Why? Because we need to be reconciled with God. In the Bible, God's word to us is His story of wanting to reconcile the world to Himself. From Genesis to Revelations, it is just nonstop God interfering, intervening, not interfering, intervening, and communicating and expressing His love and His desire that we be reconciled to Him his mission. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18 If anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us and here it is gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Wow! God has entrusted to you and to me and to his people this ministry of reconciling the world to himself. We don't reconcile, but we announce the good news of Jesus who came to reconcile. Now that we are reconciled with God by faith in Christ, his mission becomes our mission. His mission becomes my mission. His mission becomes your mission because he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And that means that is now to be the focus of my life as a believer. So my daily life, at work, at home, at play, whatever I'm doing, important things, part of life, living, responsibilities, but is to be influenced and oriented towards his mission. His mission is just not one more thing to do among the many things I have to do today, but it is the main thing that influences all those things that I have to do today. It becomes to the heart of who we are and what we are doing, our mission. To influence our decisions, our priorities, our lifestyle. Oh God, come, transform us to be Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, mission-focused. And this vision prayer finishes with this phrase, multiplying disciples everywhere. There's the main objective of God's mission, that we become disciples. Disciples of Jesus. You know, we always are glad, and rightly so, when we hear about someone who's put their faith in Jesus, right? We rejoice. Somebody has put their trust and faith in Jesus, and they're saved, they're born again, and we, we rejoice with them. But friends, that is not the end of the story. That's not where it ends The goal is to make disciples. Matthew 28, again, verse that you're very familiar with. Verses 18 through 20. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples. It's just not go and convert. Go and evangelize. Go and announce the four spiritual laws. Good things we should be doing, but it's to make disciples. Do you notice the three, three key verbs or words in that verse? Make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey, making disciples everywhere. And this mandate is for all followers of Christ, not just for the leaders of a church or denomination, but everyone who knows Jesus as their Savior is invited, is called by God to be part of this mission, making disciples So yes, we rejoice when someone puts their faith in Christ, but our work does not stop there because becoming a disciple is an ongoing process that we can be part of. And not only part of, we too are growing in our understanding of what it means to be a disciple. When you've ever taken a course, at the end of the course, whether it be a few months or weeks or whatever, at the end of the course, what do you get? You get a diploma, right? Diploma saying, yes, you've completed. There's your name, the date, the type of course, who gave the course, and you can put it in a frame and put it on the wall and and be proud that you've finished your course. You know when you're going to receive your diploma for being a disciple of Jesus? you know when you're going to receive that? When you get to heaven. When Jesus says well done, good and faithful servant, come. That's when we receive our diploma. That's when the work of being a disciple for us and for others is complete. And until then, we are called to be part of that ministry of making disciples. So the question for us today For myself and all of us is what do you want to be? What do you want to be? Not when you grow up, (laughs) but what do you want to be as a believer? Who do you want to be tomorrow, in a year from now, five years from now? What kind of follower of Christ do you envision yourself to be? What's your vision? of who you believe God is calling you to be. What inspires you to continue to follow Christ as your savior and lord? What vision do you have of your life with God? That's a maybe your own personal vision statement. <laughs> whether you write it out. But hey, we all, we all think that. We have the vision, here it is. This vision prayer is just one way. There's other ways, but I believe it's a way that really describes well the type of relationship we should be aiming to have with God. Seeking God with all our heart, growing in our understanding of Jesus as Lord and being more involved in His mission. The purpose of this message is not that Lavelle Christian Fellowship adopts that as your mission statement or your vision statement. No, not at all, please. Not at all. But that rather each of us, individually, would be challenged to seek and love the Lord with all our heart. That we would live our lives for Christ through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit as we participate with God in His mission to reach the nations of the world with the good news of Jesus Christ, making disciples everywhere. So may you join with me as we pray this prayer one more time. Okay, let's say it together. Oh, God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Come, transform us to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere. Heavenly Father, we are here in your presence because you are present everywhere. But in a special way, Lord, we turn to you, and we ask, Father, yes, through the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives, you help us grow in our understanding of who you are, that you can help us in our unbelief even when that's necessary, so we can be focused on you, focused on Jesus, our Savior, be part of the work that you want to accomplish in the people and the lives around us and around the world. So, Father, hear our prayer, and we know that you hear our prayer and you will answer. And for that, we say thank you, and we give you all the praise and glory. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, amen.